and welcome to the Locked On Boston Bruins Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ian McLaren, and this is a Boston Bruins podcast where we discuss all things that spoke to be, as well as take a look around the NHL. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, if you can believe it. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and you can get $10 off your first order. Now to keep up with the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, please follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Boston Bruins. You can also subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, wherever else you get your podcasts. And each new episode will be automatically uploaded to your feed where you can download, listen, enjoy at your leisure. Please also rate and review if you have a moment. You can find me on Twitter at ENC McLaren. You can also email the show LockedOnBostonBruins at gmail.com if you have any feedback for me, which I'm always open to. Now today on the podcast, we have a very special guest. I am joined by Jill Murphy. Uh, you can find on Twitter at JMurphyX11. Uh, she is a wonderful Bruins fan with some great stories about how she came to uh, love the team. Great stories about Brad Marchand, specifically Zdeno Chara. She also uh, has Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, uh, which we get into here in our conversation as well. It's actually EDS Awareness Month, so I was happy to talk to her at this point in time uh, just to be able to yeah, hear her story, uh, hear what it means to live with EDS, and uh, just to get more out there about this syndrome and and how we can help so uh, very happy to have jill on the podcast today and i hope you enjoy uh, this conversation i'm joined now by jill murphy who is a a massive bruins fan one of the biggest ones uh, that i know of really and uh been meaning to reach out to her for a while to to have a chat on the podcast and i'm very glad that she's able to do so today uh so yeah thanks for thanks for joining me jill how are you doing today I am doing well. How are you? Oh, I'm not doing too bad. It's uh, the beginning of a long weekend up here in Canada, actually. So uh, kind of looking forward to that, even though I can't really do anything. And it's supposed to rain all week. And so um, I guess it just amounts to an extra day off. But um, I'm really missing good to have an extra day off. Well. Especially on a Monday. Oh, okay. Nice. Long weekend. Uh, a holiday next weekend. Is it Memorial Day next weekend? Leave? Yes. The 25th, yeah. I think. It's always like the unofficial start of summer, which is usually exciting. It's not as much this year, but uh, I guess we can get into that uh, yeah. later. I wanted to start off by, yeah, just talking about how you first got into hockey and first uh, became became a Bruins fan. Yeah, so I was born in Connecticut. Uh, my dad is was actually born in Massachusetts. So I was born into a Boston sports family and Boston sports nice. are really, um, really big uh, in my in my dad's side of the family. Uh, my dad taught me all about the Bruins, taught me the game and shared with me his favorite Bruins memories dating back to the days of Bobby Orr, which obviously I did not have the pleasure of watching him play. <laughs> But yeah. because of the Bruins, I, I shared a really incredible bond with my dad. 
and our collective passion for Boston sports and specifically the Bruins is something I will cherish for the rest of my life. Um, my dad unfortunately passed away due to cancer in 2016. So now when I watch the Bruins, I, mm-hmm. I know he's with me. It's just in a different way. Um, I would say, you know, my obsession for hockey probably started in 2010. Growing up, uh, I lived, I did not live in New England. Um, so at that time, there really was no NHL TV or nothing go for fans that are out of the market. Mm. Um, so it was not as, as accessible. Um, and I was also a high-level competitive gymnast. I spent in the gym training five to six days a week. Um, oh, so wow. I, I didn't have a ton of opportunity to watch them um, when I was younger. Um, so 2010 is really the year I had taken time off from college in order to recover from a hip surgery. And so I spent a lot of time watching hockey with my dad. Um, but if there's one day or one game that really changed everything for me, it has to be May 4th, 2011. That was the day uh, my love for the game really turned into an obsession and my biggest passion. Um, so May 4th, 2011 was game three of the Eastern Conference semifinals in Boston against the Flyers. The Great. time we were up, we were up 2-0 two, two in the series. Um, I was in Boston with my dad preparing for another surgery at Boston Children's later that week. Um, it had been a really rough year. I had four major surgeries to stabilize various joints. And oh. so it was it was a nice distraction from all of that. Uh, my dad and I basically walked into the hotel lobby and he jokingly asked the attendant to let him know if anyone was selling tickets. And of course, within 10 minutes of getting to our room, I had found two tickets for that same game. And an hour later, we were in the cab on the way to the garden. Oh, wow. It was, no way. yeah, it was electric. The city was buzzing. Um, we found our seats and I waited anxiously for the puck to drop. We were in the 14th row of the balcony. These days, I wouldn't even be able to get up there. But um, my dad wanted me to see the entire ice and see plays develop from up there. And it was quite the experience. But if you recall that game, it really didn't take long for the garden to come alive. Uh, 30 seconds into the game, Chara scored. Um, I've never heard one building erupt like that. It was just insane. And then 33 seconds later, Krejci scored on a, on a feed from Lucic. It was two nothing Bruins, like a minute and three seconds into the game. So from that point on, yeah. hockey really, truly became my biggest passion, and I have not missed a single game since, um, not even after That's I had amazing. brain surgery. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a hard, hard streak to keep up sometimes, but I have not missed a single <laughs> yeah. game. Wow. Yeah, so. I definitely cannot say that I <laughs> since that time. Obviously, 2011 was a huge year for all Bruins fans and that uh that series especially I guess yesterday was the anniversary of Boston's uh against the Flyers where they were up three nothing in the series three nothing in game seven and then they ended up losing so especially beating the Flyers in 2011 that was uh that was a big moment for the team I'm sure and also for for us fans to kind of not we uh, have to relive that nightmare of of 2010. Yeah, for sure. And I actually live in, unfortunately, live in Flyers territory. So 
anytime we can beat the Flyers, it's a it's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, I guess the last game before the pause, before the COVID-19 and social distancing and all that was against the Flyers that that two nothing win. I think it was Tuka Rask's birthday where he and he he got that shutout against the Flyers. So that was if that's the end of hockey for the season, that I guess was a nice nice way to go out. But hopefully hopefully this team can um, get back on the ice soon. Allow me for a moment to talk a bit more about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. I received my first box of Built Bars a couple weeks ago and I could not get enough of these delicious and healthy protein bars. Uh, Built Bars are incredibly tasty. They taste just like a candy bar and come in 16 amazing flavors, covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. They're also healthy. Uh, They can help you lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. If you go right now to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get $10 off your first order. You can pick exactly which flavors you want in your box and, yeah, enjoy the benefits of these tasty and healthy protein bars. Again, that's use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your first box at BuiltBar.com. I know that you had uh, a special interaction with with Brad Marchand. Uh, do you care to tell, tell, tell that story and how that all developed? Yeah, sure. So last uh, season, December, so December 2018, I was in the hospital following surgery. I had actually had surgery at children's Boston children's every December for 10 years. And I missed the Bruins visit by days each time uh, until last season. Um, So I was, I was a few days out of surgery and I, I hear that the Bruins are coming. Um, I ended up getting to meet Chara, Krejci, Camphor, and of course, Brad Marchand. And Mm -hmm. that was truly special. Really put a smile on my face during a difficult and painful week. And of course, if that hospital visit never happened, nothing that followed it later in the season would have as well. But during the hospital visit, just to give some kind of backstories to how everything else Mm -hmm. unfolded, during the hospital visit in December, Chara um, had asked me what I thought of the game the night before. They had played Arizona. They won four to three, but it was a really sloppy game. Um, They turned the puck over all night and I really was not pleased. So it was one of those wins where I just didn't feel good after it. And so I told him that I didn't like the turnovers and they laughed. I'm not sure they have a lot of fans that they visit in the hospital that start criticizing their play, but uh, (laughs) they laughed. They laughed about it. And Brad had said, I'll think of you yelling at me on TV whenever I turn the puck over. <laughs> so fast forward to March, my brother Shane had bought me tickets to go to the March 5th game against Carolina in Boston. I had appointments lined up for that mm-hmm. week and I was so excited to go to the game with him and ended up going with my cousin as well. And as a joke and referencing the conversation about turnovers in the hospital, I tweeted to Brad to limit the turnovers at that game. I added a picture yeah. of us from the hospital just so that he would maybe remember me if he saw it. Um, Of course, they see a lot of fans, so I wasn't necessarily expecting that. 
Uh, it was just a joke. I didn't even expect he would see the tweet, much less respond. But as I was getting ready for bed, I saw a notification pop up from him. And I was like, there's there's no way this isn't real. <laughs> but of course, you know, at the time, my brother and my cousin, they were obviously both coming to the game with me. They were both sleeping. So I couldn't even tell them at the time that I was talking to Brad freaking Marshawn and that we were going to meet him. <laughs> You know, a few days later, uh, they found out the next yeah. morning. But yeah, it was it was awesome, truly special, and a week I'll never forget. Uh, one game turned into three games, and it was unforgettable. Brad are truly incredible people. So that yeah, was yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, I I got to meet a bunch of the the other players as well. Some of the coaches. He took me on a tour of the locker room, and it was just a lot of bucket list items that I never expected to happen. And yeah, so, yeah last I remember seeing special. that. I remember you, yeah, sharing that uh, on Twitter and, and seeing that it was really cool. This is specifically with with him because he's often, you know, by other fan bases, and we see him as kind of that, you know, rat or stirring things up on the ice. But to be able to to see that that side of Brad Merchant and to see kind of, yeah, just how uh, he goes out of his way to, to connect with fans and to, to make a positive impact on people's lives. That was really, really cool to see. And I think made people kind of pause and kind of reassess their, their opinions of him or to see that, you know, hockey players are more, more nuanced than, than we like to think sometimes based on what they do on the ice or, or what we might hear them saying kind of in the locker room. So that was really cool to see uh, him specifically uh, take the time to do that. And I'm sure uh, it's something that, uh, yeah, obviously you'll, you'll never forget. And, and a lot of people will, uh, will always remember as well. Yeah. I, I do wish more people got to see that side of him, but you know, he also has a role to play and <laughs> yeah. he, he plays it well, and I guess, you know, Bruins fans are just thankful that he's on our side because For he's sure. a hell of a hockey player, but he's, yes. an even, he's an even better person. So, yeah. yeah, I've long maintained that, like, if if he had been drafted and came up with any other uh, team that the fan bases that hate him so much would love him as much as as Bruins fans do if he had come up with Montreal or Vancouver or Toronto, like those, those fan bases would, would appreciate him the way that would matter of perspective, I guess, uh, and context as to who he plays for and things like that. But yeah, I'm certainly glad that he's, he's been around and, and certainly hope that he finishes his career. Yeah, that would be great. Um, looking at, at, yeah, for sure. Looking at um, this season, were there anything specific that stood out to you from this season, or, or how were you feeling overall uh, before before this break or pause or whatever it is? Yeah, whatever it is at this point, I guess <laughs> we don't really know. Um, yeah. You know, this season really from the beginning just felt like, I know a lot of people have said it, but it has felt like a, a redemption season um, after last season's ending um i i've truly felt like that this was their year um and i guess spins um but i really 
I really liked the team. I liked the chemistry. They were on a tear. It was just so fun to watch them. You know, even in games where they didn't play their best, you still felt like they had a chance to win. Um, so it's it's unfortunate that this all happened during a, a really incredible run for them. But let's hold on to some hope that hockey mm-hmm. will return and that we'll be able to, you know, either resume the rest of the regular season or, you know, maybe we have an extended training camp and go right into the playoffs. Yeah, I don't think anyone really knows at this point, but I, I am hoping that we can still have hockey this season as long as it's safe and it makes sense for everyone. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it was... It was hard to to for all of us to hear that news to to realize we're twelve games from the playoffs, you know, in first yeah. place on a tear, just playing some great hockey, and probably hadn't really even reached that peak yet. Really felt like they even yeah, had more to give, and mm-hmm. then it's all put on pause. But I've been to a few games this season. Um, I'd say probably opening night in Boston was my favorite memory, particularly from this season. Um, I've never, I had never been to opening night before, so it was really oh, cool. cool to to be able to experience that. And I was finally able to see Bruins Montreal in Boston. Um, oh, very it was the nice. first, yeah, first time seeing that matchup in person. So that was awesome too. Bruins won that game four to one, so it's always better when they win. Yes, but yeah, that was another bucket list item. Bruins Montreal. So I'm glad I got to check that off. That's amazing. Now you've uh, mentioned a couple of times kind of some surgeries that you've had and and some health issues. And uh, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is because it is um, EDS Awareness Month. Can you tell us a bit about uh, that and kind of how it has affected you over the years and kind of how, how you're dealing with it as well? Sure. Yeah. So May is EDS Awareness Month and EDS stands for Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. Um, The Ehlers-Danlos Syndromes are a group of genetic connective tissue disorders. There are currently 14 subtypes, um, each presenting with their own symptoms, but there's a lot of crossover as well. Connective tissues are made up of proteins that support our skin, bones, blood vessels, and other organs. And it makes up about 80% of the human body. So it's really a whole body disorder and it can affect every system. Due to a gene mutation, people with EDS produce defective collagen. This collagen is the protein that's found throughout the body in our connective tissue. And it's essentially like the glue that holds our body together. So without the glue, the body falls apart. And so that's kind of the best way to describe EDS. You know, we're lacking that glue and the body then falls apart. It's almost also like if you were to build a house with faulty material over time, that house is going to fall apart as well. And it's the same concept with with EDS. We're just not built with sturdy material. So um, our connective tissue is weak and stretchy, and that leads to a number of different challenges and again in every system of the body um so for me particularly um i experience anywhere from one to more than 20 joint dislocations every day this can be shoulder kneecaps hips yeah every day um right now the biggest challenge for me um, is my hip um i've had 
over 30 surgeries in an attempt to stabilize my joints, decrease pain, and restore function and mobility. Um, but because it affects every system of the body, there are a number of other secondary or like associated conditions that present with their own unique challenges and symptoms. So I have actually more than eight different diagnoses. All of them relate in some way back to EDS um, and present with, again, their own symptoms. So I have anywhere, you know, I have headaches. I have uh, stomach paralysis due to gastroparesis. Um, I have dizziness, a lot of challenges maintaining my blood pressure due to weak and stretchy blood vessels, uh, my blood pools, and so the doesn't circulate as strongly as it should. Um, I have another a wow. number of autoimmune conditions as well. Um, some of them actually make me immunocompromised. So, you know, a lot of people on the surface, if you read about EDS, you see that people have hypermobile joints that are unstable and prone to frequent dislocations, which obviously also leads to a lot of widespread pain. But it's so much more than that. It's you know, it's every system has has a challenge. Everyone is different. It is a spectrum disorder. And while a lot of people will share the same similarities, no two cases are, the, are alike, which makes it really difficult to diagnose and manage. There's actually really no okay. true treatment for EDS. Um, it's basically symptom management. You just address different challenges as they present and handle them to the best of your ability. So from an orthopedic perspective, that means, you know, if necessary, surgery to try to stabilize joints. Um, surgery is not a perfect solution. It's also not a guarantee that it's going to work long term. You know, for example, I've had 12 hip surgeries. Um, I actually need another one. I've had, I think, five shoulder surgeries and about eight knee surgeries. So again, it doesn't oh necessarily last forever, but um, the hope is always to, you know, again, decrease pain and improve my quality of life. Um, so if there's a chance of a surgery doing that, then based on where I'm at physically, sometimes that's the best decision. Um, but yeah, it's how does, how does EDS uh, develop? Is it, is it her hereditary or is it just? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So it's a genetic disorder. So uh, you are born with it. Um, mm. In my case, I wasn't diagnosed until I was 19. Um, but that's also partly due to lack of awareness and education, not only with the general public, but with healthcare providers. Um, it's picked up since my diagnosis, and we've made some progress in terms of recognition within healthcare, but still far behind where it needs to be. So it, it generally takes people many years to come to that diagnosis. Um, but also, you know, when you're presenting with symptoms in every different, you know, system in the body, it's, it's hard to try to hone in on what is happening. Um, mm -hmm. because these issues seem to be unrelated, but they actually, um, are not. They're actually all connected. And I think the best phrase I've heard is if you can't connect the issues, think connective tissue. And so when you have all these different challenges and all these different symptoms and you, you can't figure out how they are connected, maybe that's your clue that it's actually a connective tissue disorder um, like EDS. And was it through the your 
gymnastics that it became more uh, like known through that or injuries from that that you were able to get diagnosed or how did that come about? Yeah, so so in gymnastics, I definitely looking back, I mean, hindsight is always twenty twenty. So looking back, I had um, a lot of red flags, even for a gymnast, um, you know, so flexibility and hypermobility is not uncommon in the sport. Um, injuries are not unusual. Um, so the fact that I had all of that, I had, you know, recurring injuries, I had hypermobility and flexibility that I didn't really have to train for. None of that was really a red flag at the time. Looking back now, it is, um, I wouldn't say gymnastics really, you know, had played a huge role in the diagnosis. Um, Again, it was masked by kind of what the sport is. Um, I did have a comeback in 2009. Um, I had taken years off due to surgeries and injuries. Again, at that time, I still didn't have a diagnosis. And... Um, during my comeback, I actually dislocated my hip during a routine tumbling pass, a tumbling pass I had been doing since I was nine years old. Um, certainly not anything that should have resulted in a hip dislocation. And so that actually, that hip injury is what kind of sparked, uh, discussion, um, moving forward. I was ultimately diagnosed with hip dysplasia, which just means I have, I had shallow sockets. And so, on top of EDS, which we didn't know at the time, I had unstable hips from the hip dysplasia because they were shallow and I didn't have the connective tissue to support my hips, um, you know, even if they were normal sockets. So I ended up having surgery for hip dysplasia and that was a massive procedure. Um, during that recovery, I was about four weeks post-op and when you're immobile and you aren't using muscles, obviously the muscles atrophy or they waste away. And Mm -hmm. so I was four weeks post-op when I went to go stand up from a chair and I was almost completely non-weight bearing on that leg. And yet my kneecap dislocated spontaneously. Um, And that isn't supposed to happen. So that, led to conversations about what could possibly be causing this. I was a patient at Boston Children's at the time. I still, to this day, say that I was in the right place at the right time. Many people would have gone many more years without any answers. But because I was at Boston Children's and I had the right people on my team, probably within four or five months after that kneecap dislocation, I had a diagnosis of Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. And yeah, unfortunately, it just kind of unraveled from there, um, which often happens when, again, when you shut down one area, other areas are affected because either they're being overused or underused. And, you know, when you have uh, like prolonged periods of time without, you know, proper muscle strength um everything kind of falls apart even more so especially when you already have weak connective tissue to begin with so you know the hip surgery led to knee surgery which surgery because of crutching which 
you know, then led to my other hip needing to be worked on. And really the cycle has not stopped uh, since then. So, um, yeah, it's been it's been one challenge after another. And that's really just the orthopedic manifestations. Again, there's I have at least eight other diagnoses that affect the different systems of the body that aren't, you know, orthopedic. So it's it's a it's a challenge, but yeah, do your that's, best. That's really crazy. Yeah. I well I definitely admire um yeah, your willingness to to raise awareness about it and to to be open about it. I know people can read uh your blog posts and and you've done some great uh writing to kind of let people know more about EDS. So um yeah, I I can't imagine what it's like uh, for you but uh you know there's a lot of people out there wishing you the best for sure and i'm glad that you're able to come on and to share more about it with people so that they can uh yeah just get that awareness out yeah and thank really you truly sure. thank you for mm, having me yeah. being able to to spread awareness is one of my biggest passions along with with brew and hockey but um <laughs> yeah. it's been it's yeah, great it's my to pleasure, for sure yeah, so I thank you very much for that. And obviously, as you said, I, I do have a blog. It's uh, just sparkle, mm-hmm. so just sparkle okay. jlm dot com, and uh, I share my journey, everything from the highs and the lows to even my experiences attending Bruins games in a wheelchair and just experiences with the Bruins in general. So, if anyone's yeah, obviously great. interested in that, that's where more information mm, I'll share can be that found. as well when i share the when i share the podcast i'll be sure to share that link uh one more thing before you go i know without hockey a lot of people are struggling to to stay occupied what have you been uh watching or or reading or uh how are you keeping busy through this uh time of of no hockey we should be i guess at this point we sh- we could be at the conference finals level but uh, like we said, hopefully hockey comes back, but what have you been doing to, to stay busy in the meantime? Yeah. So I, it's been, it was the first, I think probably month. It was a challenge just to figure out anything. It just yeah. kind of sat there waiting for hockey to come back and then <laughs> you realize it's not coming back quickly. Um, so I recently just started teaching, um, English as a second language online to oh, kids cool. in China. So that's been oh, wow. really, yeah, that's been a fun experience. I bought a new instrument. It's called a kalimba and I've been teaching myself how to play that. It's kind of like a mini uh, xylophone thumb piano. So I've been playing that. Oh, cool. um, yeah. I, I watch a lot of uh, NCIS, FBI, um, I watch Disney Plus all the time. It's one of the greatest things. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, really, I would just say I've been doing the teaching, the instrument, and then watching TV. Oh, and I've also been sewing masks for hospitals, uh, for nurses, and for friends and family who need them as well. So, I've been working on that. Yeah. So, do you have any, what are your favorite movies on Disney plus or ones that have older ones that you forgot about that, that yeah. you've rediscovered or. Yeah. So I, the beginning of this quarantine period, I was on a frozen two kick where oh, I cool. yep. quite literally watched it 
probably more times than I should admit. And <laughs> um, then I watched, uh, I just watched the new Aladdin. Um, okay, so yeah. That was, that was exciting. And then I watched some older ones. I was born in the 90s. Actually, I was born in 1990. So um, I'm a huge Lion King fan. Um, yeah. I like a lot of the Disney classics. So I've been watching them. Um, you know, but other than that, probably Frozen 2. Oh, I've watched Moana a few times. That's a good one. Yeah, that's yeah, that's really great. Yeah. I have to get that... into Boy Meets World, though. Boy Meets World was probably my favorite TV show growing up, and I, I'm, I should get into that. Yeah, and Girl, Girl Meets World is on there as well. I, yes. Know, I think. Speaking of the Savage family, I was going to say uh, when I – was a kid i loved um flight of the navigator and that that's on disney plus and i've watched oh, that a nice. few times. it's such a cool movie i love that movie a lot nice yeah, well, yeah. disney plus well, has been great yeah it's been well well worth it it's uh it's definitely been a bit of a godsend during this time for sure well yeah again i just wanted to thank you so much for for taking some time to chat today and uh, i'm sure once ruins hockey begins again whenever that is uh, i'll be sure to 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 get in touch again and we can talk about actual stuff that's going on the ice uh, that would be that would be really great as well yeah that that sounds like a great plan and hopefully comes sooner rather than later but yeah definitely we'll cool all right well thank you so much jill and um yeah have a great uh have a great weekend and we will talk again soon for sure thanks so much yep. i really appreciate it Thank you as well. I right, appreciate it. Have a great weekend. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, okay. you as well. Take care. Thank Bye. you. Bye-bye.